You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Still empty chairs. You know who, who the responsibilities of empty chairs are? Your responsibility. All right. Find somebody that needs Jesus and bring them to church. So a couple things that Kathy said, I just want to go off real quick. You know, um, again, welcome our online audience, and that's such an important part of church as we are. But here's the thing, you know, if, if, the big if is if you can make yourself to come to the service, it's a little bit different than just watching online, you know. Thank God for our online church. Thank God for the technology. You'll get the word. You'll get the truth. You're still part of our faith, way family. But when you get in the presence of God, when you get in the building, it just, you know, there's fellowship after the church. You get to meet people. You get to meet friends. Because Christianity, you know, let me, let me help you. Christianity is not about, I'm going to try this. You know, I'm going to try this for a couple months, see if my life gets better. Or I'm going to try this for a couple years, see if my life gets better. You know, when you, when you subscribe, when you, the word subscribe sounds so secular. But when you become, you say, you know, I'm going to be a follower of Christ. What you're really making, you know, what, the decision you're making is a life-changing decision. That means you're changing everything in your life, including your friends, your relationships. And guess what? You, you're, the community that you're involved with, and that's where church comes in, because church is a community, right? We don't, you know, it's just, it's just not Sunday morning service. Everybody goes off, you know, people have conversations, people pray for each other, people reach out to each other. When somebody goes through a storm, your family's there to pick up the slack a little bit, you know, and that's what church is about. So I encourage everybody, you know, as you, as you process your, your, your Christian walk, you know, <laughs> it's one of the questions that we dealt with a long time ago on this series called Questions, but it really is, that question just came to mind when I was back there. It's like, what are we looking for, right? When you come to church, what are you looking for? Are you looking for him, or are you looking for a Band-Aid, or are you looking for a genie, you know, just rubbing the bottle, have the wish come true, and put him right back so he doesn't bother you again? Now, what are you looking for? Well, I think Christianity is really about life, doing life together. Amen? And it's good to see people we've done life together. I see Danny in the back. Can't miss you with that orange shirt. That guy and that guy tried to kill me once on a basketball court. But that's all right. But hey, I've known Danny for so many years. Age, gosh, you know, we're, what, 25, 26 years, something like that. Pretty close. <laughs> so, you know, and that's what I mean. You know, those are the kind of relationships that come from church. And you build, you know, not just friends, you really, really build brothers and sisters that, that got your back. So it's good to see some of you that have been with us on this long, long, long journey. But it's also welcome, you know, some of the newer faces that are going to be on the next part of the journey. Amen. Amen. So let's get excited about it. Let's get our fire back. That was a prophetic word last week. That, I didn't just throw that out there. I, I got to thinking about what I said, and I said, that, that was totally Holy Ghost. And towards the end of the service, if you didn't hear it, that was a word. That was a word for me, a word for you. Not just our leadership. That means everybody that calls Faithway their home, get your fire back. Look at your neighbor and say, get your fire back. Because if you don't get your fire back, there won't be nothing left there. You'll just be a little, you know, a little depressed Christian. You know where your fire comes from? Serving, from helping people, from making a difference. That you go home tonight and you say, you know what? Somebody's life is a little bit better just because I encourage them. You know? and everybody can always have an encouraging word. You know? Yesterday we were at my granddaughter's second birthday party. God, that came by quick. 
you know, and there was this girl that was tending to the tables, and she's really busy and picking up plates, you know, and, it's, and it, it didn't cost you nothing, and I told her, and she smiled, and she felt good. I said, you know, let me tell you, you're, you're doing a great job. I don't know who she is, probably never see her again, but you can do that. And you saw a big old smile come up. Are you with me, Diana, right? Diana and I were talking. She came and she was really working hard. And I said, you know what? Let me just tell you, you're doing a great job. And she was like, oh, well, thank you. You know, you, th those are the kind of things, little things like that that make a difference. Amen? So anyway, good morning. <laughs> that was a hello. Let's get into the word. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew. We're going to pick up. You're going to have to open your Bible because I don't have it on my, on my, it was on the slide last week. I just want to introduce you. I really thought I was done last week. I, I mean, I, it was kind of a good in a good way, a, uh, a struggle with the Lord regarding this message, because you'll see the title here in a minute. You can put my title up if you want, uh, and then I'll go to that one. And it was like, Lord, you know how many messages I've preached in the last two years around fear? It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go talk to people about worry, about concern. They're going to sit there and look like I've heard this, and the Lord put in my heart and says, no, they haven't heard this. So we're going to get into something, and hopefully, because we are, you know, the questions came of, of Jesus as long as this discourse referring to personal life in Matthew 16, 24. So go there with me. Just, you know, don't worry about screens. Find it on your app. Find it in your paper Bible. Because we've we got to pick a couple things out before we get to where we need to go today. And the first one is, 16, 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Now, we've got to stop there because everything else is going to come about this situation. You know, when he says that no one can serve two masters, and he does mention money, I get it, and money is a big thing because money is a big cause of worry. Okay, nobody's worried about money. Lord, I guess you got it wrong. They got this thing down. Lord, I don't know. You know. Okay, that's what I got. Nobody ever worries about money. Disgruntin'. Mm -hmm. You're probably worried about money right now, so that's why you, you can't even hear me. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I'm worried about money right now. So he says, no one can serve two masters. And I, and I want to pick to this just to make a point. So he says, and then in, the, and then in verse 25, says, that's why I tell you not to worry. Because you can't be, he's saying you can't serve two, you can't serve God and mammon, you can't serve something, you can't serve two things, but then the context of what Jesus brings up is worry. So in other words, there's two masters here, right? One master is fear, and the other master is what God produces, which is faith. So he's really, he says you can't serve two masters. And I, I kind of put a little subtitle this, this morning, he says, because we're working on this question, where is your faith? You know, Jesus shotgunned five questions, last week we did that, we're not doing that, you can go back and... Get the podcast, it's free, and if you care enough, go to Facebook and watch it again. But he shotguns five questions. But he resolves the last question with that, where's your faith? Now that's all in this reading, I'm not going to read it all. But this whole context, and again, it's, it's, it's Jesus' longest speech re referring to our life. He says, why are you worried about your clothes? Why are you worried about your food? Why are you worried about this? Why are you worried about that? All these things, quick paraphrase, quick summary, he says, oh, that's, all this, that's the same thing everybody out there that doesn't have God worries about. So why is it? Jesus is kind of asking a question, and it's a rhetorical question. It's not a question that seeks an answer. It's a question that gets you to ask more questions, because this is a question you have to ask yourself. Why am I worried? Say it. Why am I worried? Because, you know, here, here's the thing. That's why I came up with this little thing. I said, so to me, I just resolved it really quick. This was last night, actually. Worry is atheism. I don't know what else, I don't know how to put because atheism, atheism means no God. No God. So worry is a choice you make to resolve your own problems. In other words, no God. It's all right, it's okay. Think about it. When you worry, you, you are saying, I'm God. That's all you're saying. I'm God, and I, I will create whatever I need to create to get rid of this worry. The problem is that most of us only create problems, right? A lot of problems. 
lots of them, like Liz, lots of problems. So we are not in the capacity to create good things. So worry, you know, if you start looking at it, every time we sense worry, because this whole disclosure was about where is your faith. And he's not going to teach us on faith. He's going to come in it from the back door by meaning, let's deal with worry, and then maybe you'll discover your faith. You see it? Because sometimes they're, oh, I need more faith. I mean, no, you might not need more faith. You might just need to resolve worry. Because this is a big thing that Jesus asked. Now, let, let's keep going here. I want to get to where we want to go this morning. So just a couple things here. I'll tell you what, let's just go to this. Let's go, RJ. So where is your faith? Worries. So worry implies, it's up there on my notes, there is no God. I already said that. And at least not a God who cares or a God who cannot. Worry says, it's all up to me. And if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. In other words, you say, I am in charge. I want to break down Psalm 23, beautiful psalm. Most of you have heard it many, many times. And it's, and it's I've never done it in, you know, in nearly 30 years of ministry. I've never used it at a funeral. But a lot of people use it for a funeral, which is not a funeral scripture. This is a very real today, this dirty life. You know, when you're, when, when you're in heaven, you don't need that. Let me just put it that way. I mean, it's cute and people read it. But when you're in heaven, there's no valley of the shadow of death. When, 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 when you're in heaven, you don't need to be led to green pastures. It's all green pastures. So it's not, all I'm saying, it's not a funeral scripture. It's a, it's a today teaching. But I want to pull a couple things out of it because we're going we're gonna to come into this thing because, you know, if something COVID has taught us, and I, I'm, I'm really tired of bringing COVID as an example, but hopefully this is some of the last times I'm going to use it. But, you know, it taught us that we are not as strong as we think we are, is one. And the other one, we also learned that we're stronger than we think we are. Because a lot of you that come to this church and been here around this church, you know, around this ministry for any length of time, if you recall 2020, it seems like decades ago, right, when the world was normal, right before this thing hit, you know, we were doing what we do. And then when it hit, many of you resolved right at the beginning of COVID, you resolved how it was going to end. You see, I resolved that I wasn't going to get it. I wasn't, that's very arrogant. No, you do what you got to do with it. You know, I've been exposed so many times, it's not even funny now. You know, it's like, I'm aware of endless exposures to it. But here's my point. You resolve something, but guess what? We went to a place, many of you went to that place, of hearing teachings and teachings and teachings and teachings, of years of deposit of no fear. And that was the only reason you were able to navigate it correctly. Because there had been years of deposit versus people that didn't have that deposit. What do they do? Panic mode? Lock yourself up? I mean, they're still dealing with it. Christians and non-Christians. And this is not, not judgmental at all. It just basically means you have to have a deposit or you don't get any return. And, and I just think one of the, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the teaching, but I, I'm, this is important that you understand as a foundation, especially for the newer people, is Jesus made a st- told us a story, if you remember, about a man that built, the two men built the same house. You remember that story? One built it on a foundation, and the other built it on exactly the same house, and both houses got hit with exactly the same storm, and one house completely disappeared, and the other one remained. And the only difference in the house was the foundation. The storm was the same, the, house, the, the structure was the same. And to me, that represents a structure of religion. You know, religion, it's not all bad, you know. I mean, you have a structure of Christianity. But unless you have a foundation of reality of what God is, all your religion is going to crumble at your first storm. That's just the way it is. Religion cannot get you through any storm. 
Religion just says, you're going to heaven, here's your ticket, you know, be a good guy, treat people nice. But when stuff really gets serious in your house, all that doesn't help. What helps is word deposit. And you guys were, I want to say under the influence, but under the influence of word, of faith for so many years, that when it hit, we were like, we got this. Because we will not fear. The one thing we will not enter is in fear. So fear is a big thing. Now, let's break this down because, you know, some of you might say, well, I've already heard that. But I want you to understand, you know, we, we need to keep building that. Because let me help you. And, and by, by, by the way, well, I'm going to say something. Please don't hear it the wrong way. This whole thing is not over. I mean, it, it, you know, we can change the name COVID, but there's a lot of stuff going to start coming down the pipe. And the foundations are going to still be the same. So if you use, you know, if you've if you got a solid foundation, well, good, because, you know, you're going to hear of other stuff. You're going to hear of other stuff. You're going to hear wars. I mean, you know, I mean, if you, if you care enough to follow any of this stuff, the world is, getting, is setting a stage, like big time. I'm not even going to go down that path. But, and as a Christian, you know, you should have enough deposit that it doesn't really matter. That's at the end. That's what we're looking for, right? Peace. Let's go to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How many know that? It's a beautiful psalm, right? But I want to I pull something out because it says, He makes me to lie down in grief pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's why I tell you it's not a funeral scripture. Because If you're in a place, you're dead, and all your enemies are dead with you, yeah, you didn't get to heaven. All right, just letting you know, you missed something around the road, all right? So, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, not my eternal life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to pull one thing out of this while we're talking about fear. Because we have to work this. I'm, 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 this is going to be like a foundation for this teaching, so I'm going to, come, I'm going to refer to a couple points, then we're going to come back to that. But I want you to kind of go back into that little portion that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because if something we've walked through the last two years has been the valley of the shadow of death. If it's hit some of us very, very close. It's hit our church family very, very close. You know, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine, a, you could almost call him a brother, somebody who was very close to me, you know, you know, the consequences of his death had to do with covid um, you know, we've just done way too many funerals. So we are walking in a place where death is not that far away. So as a believer, you know, you're going to have to resolve some of these things because the biggest worry you have, or let me put it this way, not the biggest worry you have, but the master worry, the master, how could I put it? I don't know the word. The, the one thing that will always bring concern and fear and worry, however you want to call it, it's all the same word, into your life right, is fear of death. Remember that. And you have to have these sit-downs with you, with you, you and you. Because a lot of people don't want to have sit-downs with themselves. But with you is to say, do I, am I afraid of dying? And then be honest with yourself. If the answer is yes, don't, don't beat yourself up, then say, the next question is why? Because fear, and we're going to build on this, there's a lot of fears that I need to unpack. It might even take me two services because what I'm seeing is, you know, and this is kind of fresh to me also, and and guys, understand, I've been doing this for many, many years, that fear 
can be managed a lot of times just by knowledge. Amen? You see, fear comes from ignorance. Worry comes from ignorance. So when he says, Diego, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I, want, I want to pull out, and again, I'm going to come back to that, but remember that word shadow of death. Because the word shadow is very, very important here. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But here's the thing that I'm trying to get understand. You know, you, can't, you, you have to start with the master fear, because the master fear is death. Where is that, Pastor? I mean, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, 15, read it. I'm not going to go there because it'll, you know, it'll open up in a different direction I don't want to navigate, and nothing wrong with that. But he says Satan controlled everybody through death. The devil controlled everybody through death. That's exactly what your Bible says. So death is a master fear. In other words, when you say, oh, you know, I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of dying, Pastor. I'm just afraid of losing my job. Wait, okay, so let's track it. Why are you afraid of losing your job? Now, you're not going to say this. That's why sometimes you have to have to sit down with yourself and be brutally honest. Because the fear of losing your job, you know, and, and I mean, I'm going to be a little ironic and sarcastic with it, but go with me, go with me, go with me on this, is not the fear of losing your job. It's the fear, it's all connected, all connected, because if I lose my job, then I won't have money. If I don't have money, then I don't have food. If I don't have food, then I die. Now, that, that didn't happen in your conscience, but that happened in your subconscious. Amen? Well, I'm afraid, you know, my kids, something's going to happen. Or, I mean, you could just go on and on and on. I, I really, Pastor, I'm not afraid of dying. It's just, all, I got you know, to be worried. Really? Why? So last week, we, you know, we learned from this disclosure, the, the very first thing, hopefully you learned last week, or at least you, you began to chew on it, is that there are things that are completely out of your control. And guess which one of them is? Death. I mean, you got somewhat control. Like, if you're, you know, if you're going to run in front of an 18-wheeler, you got control over that. Like, don't be stupid, right? Don't run in front of an 18-wheeler. So that's about the limited your control you have. Other than that, you know, you can do health choices. You know, I resolved about eight months ago, I, I finally got serious about my future, and I'm thinking, hey, you know, if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to be, you know, watching great, great, great grandbabies show up in my life, I need to do a little maintenance right now. Are you all tracking? You know, nothing about anything else. A little maintenance right now, because if not... I can believe to be 120 years old, but there's a natural part i got to deal with. See, so fear, let, let me go back to this. So fear is really, there, there's a natural aspect of fear. And I, and I want to really, because the Lord kind of showed me this, is a lot of people, we, we have a tendency to spiritualize everything when a lot of the stuff in your life comes from a place of not fully analyzing the situation. So, if, for example, what, if you have fear of death and you're a believer, you're not going to have to resolve this. Because from a believer's perspective... Death is the final fixer. I'm done. I don't get sick anymore. Uh, I don't have to hide my car from the repo guy anymore. Um, you know, I don't have to put up with Las Vegas anymore. No, my suegra is awesome. So, you, know, it, you know, death is like the ultimate resolve. You're done. If you believe this. Because, you know, your last thought here is your first thought there. Now we've graduated to eternity. So once you really think about what death means, you know, so, so what is your word about death? I'm saying, first of all, I can't control it, so I really don't care. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to do something stupid. <laughs> Somebody told me years ago, not years ago, but during the COVID, says, it's because, you know, you, are, you, are you afraid? You're not afraid of COVID? Freddie, you're going to like this one. I said, we ride motorcycles in mountains with, like, if you go off the cliff, the next thing you'll see, we'll see Jesus. I mean, there's no question about it. 
you think I'm going to be afraid of a virus? <laughs> I mean, fear is really how you receive it. Are you, are you guys tracking with me? Fear is there. All, everywhere there's fear. It's up to you. How do you absorb it? Okay. Give me, let's, let, we're going to come back to that. Let's go, let's go through some of these slides. Okay, so number one is most of our suffering is coming from imagination. Fear and worry, almost all of it is dread of the future. And nothing, I mean, mostly, you know, because think about it. If you're walking, and this is weird for South Texas, so it's not going to happen. But if you're walking in the woods, we don't have any. And a bear comes out, we don't have any. Well, we have some way down there, but you know what I'm talking about. You will experience fear in the present for that specific situation, and your body will create some chemicals where either you're going to kill the bear or you're going to run faster than the bear. That is present fear, and everybody's experienced, you know, a close call, slammed on the brakes. (gasps) But other than those kind of fears, everything is up here. Right? You go to the doctor. The doctor says, your blood work doesn't look good. You're going to make a choice. Do I? Because here's what happens. When fear in any of its forms, and I'm using the word fear, but let's just call it worry. It's the same thing. Worry in any of its forms, what it does, I already told you, worry is atheism, so that should be enough for today. But what it does, it immediately puts your mind in an, unto- in an intoxicated place. Not, not, you know, you're not drunk, intoxicated. But just like anger, fear doesn't, you know, it intoxicates you. You don't get the right thoughts. You don't think things through. You know, God and Jesus, I mean, the, the whole point, and the more I look at this, you know, the goal of Jesus is really that we could obtain, and I'm really working on it, a place of so much peace and tranquility in our mind that we can actually hear God. Because that's where you want to be. Where no exterior circumstances, so if I am faced with a, an opportunity to worry, I immediately have to reason. And this is where believers, you know, help me, guys. You know, what happened to reason? Some people say, well, reason and faith, they, 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 there's two different things. I'm like, really? You don't think God put reason in your head? There's not two different things. There's a place of reasoning. The, the word says, come on, let us reason together. I mean, that's what it says. Let's think about it. Many times, you know, even in the New Testament, there, there's ideas that say, let's unpack this. And I think when we understand what we're going with, you know, the disclosure of Jesus is, how come you guys are behaving like the, the rest of the people? And the only thing he pulled out of that whole thing, it wasn't that you partied or that you smoked. or that you, He said, you worry the same. You're supposed to be Christ followers. Why isn't there a difference between what the, what the world's worried about and what the Christians are worried about? Because the Christians haven't spent enough time trying to process some of this stuff. And, and this is not an idea of saying, well, I'm just going to lay home and, you know, whatever, you know, que sera, sera. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about wisdom. Well, let me put it this way. I'm talking about knowledge that comes in and then wisdom as it is applied to every circumstance that you're faced. Because here, you know, the resolve is so simple. And, and this didn't come from the Bible. This came from my grandpa. And he was a heathen when he said it. He wasn't born again then. Well, I mean, maybe he was, but he didn't act like he was. Anyway, and he said, if something's broke, you guys know it, fix it. If you can't fix it, don't worry about it. I mean, the guy had more depth than most Christians. Because Christians, what are you going to do? As soon as you feel that, you are already telling yourself, you don't have the ability to fix it. Right? Worry is telling you that you are already in a place where you are acknowledging that you don't have the ability to fix it. 
That's why your only default is to worry about it. But other, other than, you know what I'm saying, that, that one instance of the bear, you know, fight or flight moment, all worry can only come from two places. Information from the past or dread of the future. It can't come from anywhere else. And guess what? You don't live in either of those places. You don't live in the future and you don't live in the past. You live in the now. So we suffer from imagination. You know, we, we'll tear ourselves up. And your mind is very powerful. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, I miss my mom dearly, but, you know, she passed away almost, well, you know, 20, 2002. So, you know, it's going to be a while. But if I sit there and I sit there and I dwell enough about my mom and think about my mom and, you know, my dad, you know, I miss them, I miss them a lot. I know they're in a great place. But I, I can sit there. I can sit there. I can make myself depressed. I can start crying about it. I can, I can work myself into tears. Not that I'm looking to do that. I just sit there and my mind just goes, goes, goes. So now that we're saying, so, so we're trying to spiritualize some things that God gave you control over, and that's what we really need to resolve. That's where reason comes in. Give me the next one. So for God, well, 2 Timothy 1.7. Let, let's break. This is so good. Let's, let's, tell, let's see what God gave you. How many want just what God gives you, right? Just give me what, what, what's mine, Lord. He did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity. But he did give you something. In other words, the next three things are things that the Holy Spirit will place in your heart. Number one, if you believe it. Because it will be acquired by faith. But these are supernatural, you know, if you want to, not supernatural, but it's, it's the thing, yes, yeah, supernatural, the thing the Spirit does. Extra. So the one thing he didn't give you was a spirit of fear. So if he didn't give you a spirit of fear, then you're going to have to reject it. Come on, church. You can, some of you are so addicted to worry and fear that you, you wouldn't even recognize it. I mean, just you live in a, in a state that it's always fear and worry consumed, that if that would disappear, you would feel weird. He's like your best friend now. But here's the thing. God did not give you that spirit. And if you're truly walking, you know, if you're truly trying to resolve what Christianity is and my life with God and all this stuff that we talk about all the time, I guess the very first thing I want to do is, you know, grab onto what God gave me and get rid of what the world gave me. Amen? So the number one he didn't give me is the spirit of fear. So, so anytime fear, you can change the word fear, worry, concern. God has not given us a spirit of concern. God has not given us a spirit of worry. So right off the bat, when that spirit or that thought or that whatever shows up, you as a believer know, yep, that's not from God, so I need to think about this. I need to look at this, because, you know, that doesn't mean you ignore the, what, you know, there might be some information coming. Thank you, Holy, I got so much bubbling in my spirit right now. Write this down, it's not on my notes. You need to be able to separate, and trust me, I've been, I'm, not, I'm not 100% on it, but I've been working on it for many years. You need to be able to separate the pressure from the problem. You, everyone, we all deal with problems. You'll probably have some things you have to deal with tomorrow and the next day. But you've got to be able to take the pressure off. Because if pressure is on your life over any circumstance or any situation, that pressure will cause you to think wrong. That pressure will cause you to make bad decisions. Are you here? So God has not given you a spirit of fear. So what did he give us, Pastor? Love? Power, and the big one, self-control. Because in all those, you know, there could be a sermon in itself, but 
The one I want to I want to really focus on is this idea of self-discipline, because self-discipline is not just about eating the right food. Self-discipline is about getting up early. You know, self-discipline is also about disciplining what you think. Amen. You know, you have the you have the right as a person and as a spiritual person to pick your thoughts. Remember last week we talked about, I know it was a very, I, I really wanted to expound more, but I think that was the mission of last week. But we really talked about, I think in, in Laredo I did, it was the same sermon, but Laredo gets like deeper because I already preached it here, so I get like new depth. But I talked about the three circles of influence that we have. And I wanted to do a chart, but, it, but it's going to help me explain this point. So, so this is your, you know, imagine this circle, right, like this pulpit's round. This is your life, right? You're right smack in the middle. And you have control of everything that comes in here. And that's the only thing you have control of, which includes your mind, your emotions, maybe your money. That is, if you don't have a ton of grandkids trying to take it all. Um, You know, there's a lot of things you can control. 100% you can control. Then you have an outer outer circle which you have somewhat control. Maybe, (laughs) I was going to say teenagers, but I don't know. Maybe you don't have any control over that. I don't know. Because, you know, when a little kid's a little, you have almost 100% control. But as they grow up, you start, you know, they make their own decisions, so forth. So there's an area where you have limited control. For example, you can get worked up about Biden or about this or about that or about Afghanistan or about Trump. But at the end of the day, the only control you have is your vote. You know, I mean, until somebody gets organized and we don't really have much control over what's happening in this country, let's just be honest. You can vote. You know, you can protest, you can do all that. But all that is still limited control, right? So you have the second circle of your life. And then you have the third circle, which a lot of us spend way too much time in. We got absolutely no control. In other words, you're in in somebody else's business. You got no business in this third circle. And you're making you and a bunch of people miserable because you're not supposed to be here. Well, I'm preaching good this morning. I'm helping you. I know I'm helping you. And we spend a lot. How do you know, Pastor? Yours truly. Finally resolved after. You see, I finally grew up around 54. So y'all have hope. And I realized something. I'm joking, 54. But I'll tell you, some of, these, some of these insights that I'm giving you have come in the last five years of my life. And I saw where I was, I was spending way too much time over here. Making myself miserable. Making myself miserable with the news, making myself miserable with little sheep that don't get it, or just little sheep that want to turn into like vipers or whatever. Making myself miserable over family situations, which I have no control. Making miserable over situations over my kids, which I have no control. You know, on and on and on. And I realized, I'm like, dude, are you serious? And then I began to bring back my own personal life. If you guys see, like, you know, Pastor Box has changed over the years, yeah, because I'm done being stupid. Thank you, you know? I got no control over a lot of things. You guys would stress me out sometimes. I'd go home thinking about what you told me and your problems, and then I said, I'm like, really? I love people. This is what I do. I love you guys. I'm here to help you. But once I give you my counsel, I resolve. I'm done with it. If you take it or not, that's yours. The same thing with my kids, same thing with my grandkids. I had this conversation with I said, you know, I'm only going <laughs> to, knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I said, I'm only going to say things twice now. One is maybe you didn't hear me, and the other is hope you heard me. And the third time, I'm just walking away from it. If you didn't get it the second time and you bust your face because you didn't listen, that's on you. 
That's, that's not a good place to be. No, it is a great place to be because you know what I'm pursuing? Tranquility. I'm, I'm looking for that place of peace. And if I don't get out of this third circle, I will never have peace. And if I don't understand my limited aspects of the second circle, I'll never have peace. The only thing I can control of is right here. My emotions, my attitudes, if I love people, if my money, little thing, you know, even that is gray area. And I think that is one of the things that we have to understand because fear a lot of times comes, is, is coming in mainly from areas you don't have any control over. What, you know, what if they tell you right now, Russia just, no, Russia, not, you know, who would do it? Iran. <laughs> Iran. Well, Russia might, they might get in on the, on the party. Iran just launched a nuclear missile. If, if we heard that right now, and they chose Hebronville, of all the places they could have dropped one, must be a test. I mean, think, think how stupid, I mean, I know that sounds silly, but think about what would you do? I mean, if that, was, if that just popped up on your phone, what would you do? Guess what? You can't do nothing. If you were smart, you'd just sit there right there and listen to God's word. Till we all, and we'd finish the sermon in heaven once the nuke went off, right? Well, I wouldn't finish it. Jesus probably would finish it. But you see my point? We could go, oh no, nuclear bomb, run out and go to our house. We're still in heaven. <laughs> oh no, I'll go to Laredo. We're still, I mean, it's going to wipe out Laredo, Hebron, Corpus, most of the valley. I mean, it's not, what I'm talking about is you have no, con- I know this is a very exaggerated thing, but, but a lot of us, we keep navigating into that thing. And what is happening? Since we're in places that we're not supposed to be, of course we're going to have fear over it. Because God told us, that's not, that's not, that's not your, you know, if you're over there, that's what, you remember the gray areas? This is like black area. It's not a gray area. This is, you're over there, and now you are absorbing things that are completely out of your control, and because they're completely out of your control, now you have fear over it. Now do you see how it all comes together? Okay, give me the next one. Let's go. Can you identify, now this is your homework, not homework, but this is just kind of you. Can you identify fears and anxieties that pin you down? In other words, you're going to start your day, and this little thought creeps up, and it just shuts you down. That's, that's what I'm referring to. Number two, do you feel trapped before a situation even unfolds? I mean, somebody calls you on the phone. Well, nobody calls anymore. Somebody texts you or whatever, and they tell you something. And before, I mean, they say, you know what's, you know what's going to happen you know, next week? And, and man, your, your whole week, you're like messed up because you trap yourself into a future that's not even real yet. What if? What if? What if? What if I get COVID? You don't have a lot of control over it, do you? So it doesn't really matter. But you can be in fear over COVID till Jesus comes. And more than likely, you're probably going to get it anyway. Because fear draws things, too. So, do you feel trapped? In other words, the reason you feel trapped is because you're already fearing a future event. Number, number three... So I'm going to flip it. The last point is the reality is that many of the things we worry about never come to pass. Think about that. A lot of the things that you worry about never come to pass. You're sitting there worrying, 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 worrying. And sometimes I think as adults, we cause things to happen that we worried about. Maybe we worried it over our kids, and that wasn't a thing till you worried about it, and now you caused it. Does that make sense? You were afraid of something, and now you've modified their behavior because of your fears. So now it's two people involved with the contamination now. 
I mean, this is a serious thing, church. Think about it. Think about how you raise your kids. Do you raise them with fear? Do you raise them with, with wisdom? I mean, this is a very serious thing. So as we are navigating through this, let me, let me give you a thing. I don't think these are up on the notes. Are you guys getting something out of all this this morning? You guys looking at me like a deer looks at a new feeder. I wasn't there yesterday. I don't know if I put this up. No, it might be up there. I don't know, because I, I forgot what I formatted. But our imaginary fears, it might be the next slide, can have real consequences. Even though it's an imaginary fear to start, it won't be imaginary long, because whatever a man thinketh, so is he. Remember that? Remember that, Proverbs? So imaginary fears won't be imaginary long. That's why this is dangerous. You have to resolve which circle does this fear going to fall into? Which circle of influence is this thing going to land on? Now watch. Fear will cloud your reality, and like other extreme emotions such as anger, it will cloud your vision and obscure what is really going on. The grips of fear can be paralyzing. Most of us have experienced some version of this. So how do you take back control? How do you go back to your effective self ready to face whatever challenges come next? So I want to give you a couple points, and then we're going to unpack some things. Hopefully the clock will let us. Give me the next one. So, number one, I, I touched this last week. I kind of threw it out there, and I said I didn't, maybe I didn't resolve it, I mean, explain it enough. So the very first thing you, you're going to have to resolve, when, when you're faced with a cho- not a choice, but when you're faced with a situation where you can, future situation, past situation, or present situation, where you can say, you know, I'm going to navigate to a place of worry and fear, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to go to worst-case scenario. That is something, say, well, is that even in the Bible? It is. Many times. I mean, Paul takes you many times, you know, to resolve. I mean, he's, he's talking about, he says, even if my body can be burnt. That's pretty worse, you know. Even if I'm beat down. Even if I'm hunger. Even if I, I mean, Paul is working these things in Romans chapter 8. He's going through a lot of bad, even if I'm in tribulation. Death, peril, nakedness. He's going through everything, you know, that could be a crisis and, he's, and, and every one of those can cause fear. Are you kidding me? Peril, death, lack, hunger. All those are the same things Jesus talked about. And Paul's beginning to resolve. He says, but wait, 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 wait. But there's Jesus, right? So he's looking at all these things. So there is nothing wrong. Because sometimes it says, you don't want to, you know, we're faith people. Yeah, we, we need to be reason people also. And I'm going to show you something. What is the worst thing that can go wrong? Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, now we're back. Finally. It took me an hour to get to where I wanted to be. A shadow, let's define it, because you guys are fearing shadows. When I say you guys, that's me also. I'm not going to be like, oh, he's telling all of us. A shadow is a dark shape. This is, this is just definition. It's not scripture. The first part is scripture. A shadow is a dark shape that is formed when an object blocks the source of, sorry for the typo, so it should say light. Source of, that's a, that's Webster, I believe, or one of them. So you think about it, it says, even though I walk through the, sh- through the valley, well, we know valley's a low spot in our life, okay, so that's already, you know, we're not on the mountain, of the shadow of death. Okay, so what is one thing we know about shadows? Everyone in this room knows it, if you think about it. It's not deep, it's not deep, it's not deep. They're not real. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, I just learned something. Go ahead and tell them, yeah. Shadows aren't real. 
You know boxers? You know why boxers do shadow boxing? Because it doesn't hit them. <laughs> Pastor, where are you going with this? How many shadows in your life are causing you fear? Because for a shadow to exist, it has to stop the light. And if we want to get, now we're going to spiritualize a little bit, okay? Jesus is the light. So any, any shadow in your life that's causing fear is blocking the light of Jesus. That's, so that's what's happening. Even though I walk through the valley, he didn't say the valley of death. Right now we live in a system where it's full of shadows of death. And they're not all shadows, there's a real aspect to it. But as a believer, I have to make a choice. They're all shadows. Well, what if COVID gets you and you die? You stay, I'm gone. Enjoy the ride, because I'm going to join an eternity. I don't care. You see, I'd have to care first. But I'm learning to cast cares, because care is also fear. See, it's all connected. So the shadow is a dark space. So, you know, here's a question. What, what, what things in my life have I let them dominate me? And at the end of the day, they're just shadows. They're not even there. Because, and here's where I'm going now. Let me, let me see if, I, if I'm going to jump way ahead of this. Oh, Jesus, I'm just over the map. <laughs> okay. Now, we are, we are where we need to be. So worst case scenario is to, and, and by the way, you know, I used to work environmental engineering and safety and all that, and one of the things H and I talked about a couple weeks ago, but it's, it's a big thing, I don't want to bore you, put you to sleep with it, it's called risk management. And that's something you do all the time, you know, that's, you manage risks. Well, guess what, there should be like a spiritual risk management. Because the resolve is this, if God can't fix it, it doesn't matter. But here's the resolve. Are you sure that you can't fix it? Okay, give me the next one. If you anticipate the coming of trouble, it takes away the power when it arrives. Okay? I'll give you a simple example. Every month you face the fear. When I say you, it's an imaginary person, all right? And if it's you, well, then just smile, nobody will know. Every month, this imaginary person gets so stressed out about their light bill. Because every month, I mean, y'all, you know, I don't say y'all, but you know, some of us used to play the like, well, it's, it's, it's not due when you get the 10-day notice. <laughs> Just to let you all know, that might be, oh, really? It's not. And every month, this person is late, and every month, she manages to pay her light, and every month, she, has to, she adds on, you know, fees or whatever, and at the end of the year, just on the fees, she spent four or five hundred bucks. Either way, she got her light bill paid. Stretched it, suffered with it, whatever. And she goes to the, go to Lord, 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 pay my light bill, pay my light bill, pay my light bill, every month. Okay. She has an ongoing fear, right, of, an, of, an, of a future event. Now, she's a good Christian woman, I guess, imaginary person, Good Christian woman, loves Jesus, goes to church, but this is a recurring cycle in her life, and she prays about it, and God sometimes comes every month, but she's always stressed, she's always fearing, and she just got paid, you know, she just paid this bill, and she's already stressed out about next month. Now, obviously, the money's coming from somewhere every month. You all with me? Track with me, track with me, because this is going to help you. 
But the fear is still there continually. But the money's still there, somehow. And this has been going on for years. She still has piles of late fees, or whatever you want to call it. But it doesn't resolve, because it's not about money. It's actually the fear that the lack of money has caused this person to be overwhelmed. That's when I said at the beginning, you know, I said, you know, you know, you know, money, and everybody got real quiet because everybody knows money is a big thing. You know, that, and again, it's, we support our family, we want to have vacations, we have nice stuff, nothing wrong with that. But money becomes this big, you know, like Jesus said, it becomes a God. Now that God is not Jehovah God, so all, he, all that God can produce is fear. And so this lady, she's, you know, she's involved with, so what's going on? So anticipating trouble, and this is where I'm thinking, this is where I, I really want to get you guys kick in the reasoning, because as Christians, we go, well, the Lord will take care of it. But what if the Lord teaches you how to save some money? Yeah, I didn't like that one, right? What if you just did not have to go buy the $150 tennis shoes for your kid and actually put that away thinking about the light bill? Because once I know that money, watch how spiritual this is. Once I know the $150 are in the bank, I have just instantly lost my fear over the electric bill. Isn't that deep? Isn't that deep? You know what? Secular people know that. That's why Jesus had to really? The Gentiles? <laughs> so there is a part, guess what, where we have a part. Now, I'm not saying if you're going through a financial situation that's difficult, I, I totally get that. We've been through them. We've all been through them. You know, there's times where I sat in front of my house. We, the Monica can tell you, we put the plates out. There was no food to eat. We were like, okay, we're going to believe God. Something's going to happen. That was way back, you know, many, many years ago. But we've all gone through lack, and it screams at you. But when you make the decision, you know, because here's, here's, here's the thing about Christians, guys, and that's me included. It takes the same faith. Watch. This is going to help somebody. I think, I think John, not Joel, John Osteen, Joel's dad, I think he's the one that said this, because I'm not, I'm not this bright. But I'm almost sure John Osteen said this because I don't know why his name just popped up as a reference to what I'm going to say. He says, it takes the same faith, watch this, Laura, you're going to like this one, to live from the bottom of the barrel than to live from an overflowing barrel. Isn't that interesting? What John Osteen was saying is, you can believe God to live off the overflow, just like you can believe God to live off the bare necessities. It's the same faith. What some of y'all need to do is believe God and do your part. Look at your neighbor and say, do your part. Do it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it. Do your part. <laughs> to fill the barrel, and now you get to live off the overflow. In other words, back to my little lady illustration. Somehow in her life, I'm talking about a, a, a systematic or systemic situation in your life that is recurring, 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 recurring. When you say, well, maybe if I save 20 bucks a a month, and it starts adding up, and then when you discover that you can save some money, guess what? You get excited about it, and you save a little more, and you save a little more, and pretty soon, instead of, oh, I gotta believe God for, you know, November's payment, you should be, you should already have November, December taken care of, and still using your faith, because now you're living off the top of the barrel. And now if somebody has a situation, you actually can go into your barrel and help people. Instead of always just scratching the bottom and, oh, Jesus, help me, you know, I'm so full of fear. Come on, church, wake up. 
you, you know, this is where the re- this is what bugs me, you know, including my life. We try to spiritualize everything. It's like, oh, Lord, send me money. He says, stop spending it. <laughs> Put a plug. We can't fill the barrel while you're buying every little thing you lo- see. You go into stripes for a bottle of water, and you come out with a bunch of trinkets you didn't need. Oh, because they had, like, the 45-foot cable I need. I can plug my phone way across from over there now. It only cost me $35. Look, what a, what a bargain. Yeah, you can put those $35 to your next month's bill payment. Y'all, I know y'all don't want to hear this, but I got permission from God to really rattle y'all's cage and get you going and get you thinking about something because we need to understand God gave us the ability to anticipate some things. Amen. That is part of the wisdom. That is part of the knowledge of things. Because a lot of the fears, you know, for example, if you're afraid of flying, if you have a, 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 a fear of airplanes, the best thing you can do is go figure out how an airplane works. Educate yourself. How can this machine with two motors pick up, you know, 80 tons? And once you figure out how it does it, you'll probably lose a fear of flying. Well, you know, we're up in the air. What if it falls? Well, you're on the ground. What if you hit something? You do, you do know, right, that ground travel is way way, way more serious and more dangerous than air travel. Do you know that? That's a statistic. Yeah, I'll give you that. You know, ground travel, you might survive. Airplanes, no. You go straight to heaven. Okay. My point is, ignorance about anything will come with fear. About anything. Ignorance of God will come. Some people are scared of God because they don't know God. That's what religion, a lot of people, they say, oh, I'm a Christian, and they, you know, they're locked up somewhere, shaken to death about it. Well, they, they, they really don't know God. Ignorance about anything will cause fear. I, I, get, I get a kick about all the other stuff about the anti-gun and anti-this and anti-that and anti-this, and it's all ignorance about gun. Nobody has any idea. You know, an AR-15, assault rifle, AR, assault rifle, starts, AR stands for assault rifle. No, it doesn't. It doesn't start for that. That's, it's the name of a brand. Well, you know, you got a clip with, can shoot 200 rounds. Uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. I mean, the military might not. The one I have can shoot 30, but not 200. I mean, and just fear and fear and fear. Fear of guns. you got to be scared of, no, a gun is just, it's just a piece of metal. It's a, it's a machine that is designed for a purpose. And if you know how the system works, no fear. My kids will raise their own guns. My grandkids will raise their own guns. And they all respect them. Nobody's, oh, I just got to touch the gun. I sometimes have to beg him to go shoot guns. Most kids are like, I want to go shoot guns. Oh, I'm bored. <laughs> because there's no fear to them. I'm just using examples, but here's the thing that you understand. You've got to learn to anticipate. You've got to learn to say, okay, what part of this circumstance, remember your circle of influence? That's where the self-control, that's where the power, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he gave us self-discipline, because self-discipline includes your thinking. We want to say, self-discipline, I'm not going to eat cheesecake today. No, thank God for that self-discipline. But self-discipline, the biggest area of self-discipline we all need, including yours truly, is our brain, our thinking process. We need to discipline our thoughts. Because, you know, you, can't, you have to have control over that. That is, your, that, is, that is your part. That's your circle right there. And God expects you. He, I mean, he told you, think on these things. Didn't he say that? Whatever is good, whatever is just, whatever is noble, whatever is of good report, think on those things. You're over here thinking like, oh, what if, you know, what if Biden, what if this? You know, and he didn't say think on Biden. He said think on these things. 
That's the discipline. And I'm telling you, our mind, we are so used to, especially, you know, the, depending how you were raised, I know, I know how I was raised, we're so used to go to worry, 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 that we become addicted to it and we become used to it and our, and our body will adapt to it. Because, I mean, think about it. There's days in your life, probably this week, there was a day where everything was probably fine. Can you say amen? Maybe, maybe not even, maybe a moment. Maybe a couple hours where, where you were just like, you know what? Everything's fine. And if, you, and if you're not careful, your mind says, yeah, but. What about Christmas presents? Mm-hmm. You heard what's going to happen. Your kids aren't getting Christmas presents. I said, I'm thinking, my kid lives in Christmas. I'm not sure what he refers to. <laughs> I mean, when you've got grandkids, they live in Christmas, just to let you know. Um, anticipation is something where the Holy Spirit will also help you. He will, he will give you insights into the way things are moving. He will give you insights how to save money. He will give you insights how to invest. He will give you insights about your health. He, I mean, that, that's, that's the part he does. Self-control, discipline, love, and power. I mean, you don't really need a whole lot after that, right? Let's go. Give me the next one. Now, second which is connected totally to the first one, preparation, which is basically the same thing. Now you're preparing for an event that has been causing you fear all these years. Example given, electric bill. What can you do to prepare yourself? What options do you have? Worst case happens. In other words, worst case scenario. How can you prevent it from happening? What can you do today to reduce the chances of the worst happening? In other words, once again, fear. What can you do today to eliminate future fears? We're not, we're not asking, oh, I can pray about it. No, I'm talking, what can you can do? Again, you have control over certain things only. And that's what God wants you to be. And that's where it works. So preparation about anything. You know, Jesus said, no one builds a house without counting the cost. You know what that means? Reasoning. That's, that's a perfect scripture about reasoning. Because I've heard people say, we're faith people, we don't reason. I'm like, yeah, I can tell. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of that. But Jesus said, who builds a house without counting the cost? Because if you count the cost, there's a lot of things that fear is not going to be able to infiltrate. Right? When you, when you, I mean, I'm a planner. Not everything goes as planned. <laughs> but, you know, I visualize my day. I, I, that's just something I've created for over years. Like, I'll, I'll get up 4, 35 in the morning. I'll sit there and say, what am I going to do today? Like, we've got a real big project going on right now. And I'll say, today we're going to do this. It's, 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 you know, and I, it's all planned out, like in my head. And my, and my, I get, I'll pick up the guys that work for me, and they're like, uh, we're going to do this, and you're not going to do that. I had one guy I had help for a couple of days ago, and I got another, I got another crew that is doing fa- Anyway, and, and, I, and this kid, he's helping, right? And he said, well, so-and-so told me to do this. I said, yeah, but he doesn't sign the check. Come here. <laughs> right? That has nothing to do with my message. It was funny. He looked at me like, no, I said, I signed the check. You come here. You, you, we're going to do this now. In other words, planning eliminates a lot of fears. Fear comes from areas, most, if not 100% of the time, most of them, that you didn't plan, right? So the more you plan, not that your plan always works, but you should have a thing in your head where there's very little things left out of your control. Because, yes, there's a, there's a lot of things. You know, I'll give you my own little examples of my, this week was really, really long, but a good week. We got a lot done. 
But you know, I had this whole day planned, and you guys heard the, half of the story last week because my starter went out. Well, I fixed it Monday, and the starter lasted five starts. I counted them. I'm, boom, we're going to go, woo, we're working. And then I, I left the truck to this kid, and he moved it, literally, he moved it like from that wall to this wall, and it didn't start after that. Brand new starter. And we went through all the things to install the starter and get this starter. So now I'm faced with, again, a situation, right? Like, can I, I can get really, really mad, or I'm going to go throw it once again out to the area of saying, well, I can't fix that, not right now, so we're going to get back to work. We're going to leave that alone. We're not going to look at it till it's its turn. And that's what I'm talking about preparation, because even when things go out of the way, hopefully your plan is solid enough where you just don't drown in fear. Now, I'm, I'm being very vague with this, but everyone can apply this to any situation that you're involved in right now. It can be with your family. It can be raising your kids. It can be maybe your marriage is going through some storms. Maybe your finance. I mean, whatever it is, these same principles apply. You do as much as you can. And this is really good because where I'm going with this is the areas that you cannot fix, guess what? That's where God comes in. He is the God of the impossibles. This is where your faith... I haven't talked a lot about God in this message because I need to talk about you and your head first. But once you resolve all these areas, you just leave them there for God. And it's amazing because I can tell you even like stuff at work, like the starter thing, you know, you know, we just left it alone, you know, then later on we knocked, we had a little break, we knocked the starter off, took it back, got another one, you know, brand new, exchanged it, came back, put it in, works fine. I could have gotten all messed up and I can't believe, now I got to go all the way. Because I'm not talking about going to the shop. The truck is probably 60, 70 miles from the nearest anything at this point because we're way out there in the brush. So, but again, the moment it happens, you can only control what you've prepared for. That's my point. So what can you do to prepare yourself? Don't dwell too much. You know, don't dwell in a negative way in a worst-case scenario. But worst-case scenario, remember, we did a thing here. We do it every year. I don't know if we're going to do it again because last time nobody cared. But we used to do this money management thing. And I love one of the things that Dave Ramsey probably says. It's amazing how much fear leaves your life. This I learned from Dave Ramsey years ago, and I started applying it, and it does work. He says, if you have an emergency fund, it's amazing how much fear leaves. Because if your washing machine breaks, you got $1,500 that have been allocated for an emergency fund. You can go pick some money out there, go buy a brand new washing machine, and you're not, oh my God, what are we going to do? The machine is broke. We're going to wash the clothes. See how, you see how many things aren't spiritual? That, I mean, Dave Ramsey's a Christian man. He's a good teacher of, of finances. But I'm saying pre- preparation and when you leave this building, like I said, really think about what are the things that cause me to worry and then put them in a category. Are they way out here? God's got it. Are they here? Okay, what's my influence? And if they're right in the middle, then you've got to get to work. But it has to have a category. Amen. Let's finish this up. Um, these steps, clarifying your fears, imagining worst-case scenario, and brainstorming and strategizing to prevent whatever may come are the foundations of your part. Remember, everybody say my part. Your part is this, God's part is the super. And it's amazing how it works together because God will influence every area of your life. Is that the last one, Archer? There's a couple more. Okay. <clears throat> Think of practice as immunity. Now, here's another point I want to bring out. The more you practice not fearing, the more you practice not worrying, then you're going to have more clarity. Practice is everything. You know, Kathy, you know, I haven't been playing with a band for, 
off and on, not like I used to, and they're short on musicians, so she texts me, do you want to play? And I said, of course. And then she sends me the songs, and I realize these songs, I, you know, well, one of them I, I didn't play too long, but most songs I haven't played them for two or three years. So what I got to do? Even though I played them before, guess what you got to do? You got to go practice it, right? Retrain your muscle memory. Practice is everything, but guess what? I think Christians, we, we give a lot to God where God says, the more you practice, the better you get. You need to practice not fearing. You need to practice not worrying. You need to catch yourself and then resolve which level of influence is this worry going to be connected to. Because if it's in here, I can fix it. If it's here, I'm going to fix it. I don't even, I'm, I, this, is not going to, this is not going to sound right, but don't, don't, leave, don't leave the church. If it's in this area of, of influence, I can fix it. I don't need a supernatural miracle. I'm not saying I don't need God. Of course I need God. I'm just saying if I can fix it, I'm going to take care of it. I'm not going to waste a prayer on something I can fix. Not that prayers are wasted, but that is so key because the more you see it, you, what's going to happen if you get, begin to practice this? You're going to see God move in areas of your life that you never, you didn't even pray about it. You're like, whoa, you see what God did? Guess what? Because you resolved to cast your cares. That's really what this whole teaching has been about. How do you actually do it? How do you actually not worry? How do you, because you know, all the little cliches we tell people, oh, don't worry, like that's going to help. You know it doesn't work. Amen. Okay. Give me the next one. I'm trying to get to something and we'll be done. So how do you control it? We're just recapping now. This is a summary. What's the worst that can happen? Write it down. Feel it. Talk about it. Ask how you can prevent. And I'm not a big journal guy, but I'm starting to because I'm seeing the benefits. I've never done it, to be honest with you. I mean, I write a lot of like outlines and studies and stuff but to actually journal and because you know what journaling is? Journaling is really talking to yourself. It's like you had a friend, right? I, I, I encourage you guys, write a few things down. Even if it's a, th- even if it's a thought. It doesn't have to be like a whole disclosure. Just Because you're going to see a track here. Ask how you can prevent it and journal the solutions. In other words, is there a problem? What's the solution? And that solution, I know this is very systematic, but it works. Is it God's solution? Somebody else's solution? Or my solution? See, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you guys the same thing. I'm just coming in from a different angle. And boy, it's amazing the clarity of mind that you have when you don't have fear. It's amazing how you can think creativity. You know, creativity kicks in of how to resolve a situation when fear is not contaminating it. It just, I mean, it really, really is interesting. So you ask how you prevent it, and then you practice, you practice, you practice, just like anything else you practice. Reduce fear. Do whatever is necessary to know that you have studied yourself and you've prepared with it. In other words, you can only control what you can control. And once I've made sure that I control this, I'm done with it. Then it's time to sit down and watch God take care of something. And that is a really cool place to be. Amen? You guys are asleep? Y'all say all last night? What? <laughs> Pastor, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, Pastor, yeah. I'm just worried you're not going to finish at 12. Well, I'll, I'll deliver you from your worry. I'm done. The things we fear, I might be up there, Arjun. I'm just going to finish my notes, <laughs> pale, in comparison, fa- pale in comparison to the damage we do to ourselves and others when we unthinkingly scramble to avoid them. Think about that. What you fear first of all, is a shadow. Right? No, it's real, Pastor. Well, then if it's real, give it to God. But most of them are shadows. Go ahead and stand with me. Let's just stop right there.
I really want this, these messages not to be just little sermonettes, little cute things I say. I really, I'm praying. I prayed again this morning like I pray every single Sunday of my life. I said, Lord, let me do something to help the people. And I want you just to be very honest with yourself this morning. If you struggle with this stuff, which I have done for many years, that's why I can preach it now. I did. I'm still navigating through some of these things, but I've come a long way from where I was. It really comes to this point to say, Lord, I will not fear. I'm done with this worry. I'm going to enjoy my moment, and I'm going to enjoy it with your presence. I'm going to enjoy it with your wisdom. I'm going to enjoy it with my family. But I am done living in a place called fear. I am done living in a place called worry. I am finished with it today. That's your, that's, I can't pray that for you. Your prayer this morning should revolve somewhere around there because I can believe the Holy Spirit can do something so supernatural in this house that if you've been carrying these things around, some of you, I know by the Spirit of God, I don't know who, I just know it's going on. You guys are carrying traumas and things that were planted in you since you were a child. And the Lord says you need to live your life. You need to start breathing. You need to start, you know, looking at your horizon and, and your horizon's great. And I pray for our online audience, you know, and if somebody out there is online, you know, you're watching us, you know, you're, you're just as part of the church, same thing goes for you. Resolve some of these things because fear is the greatest handicap you got. Worry is the greatest handicap you got. And the devil will use that till you go see Jesus. And I don't think our life, like Psalm 23 says, at the end of Psalm 20, it says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, listen to this, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That means God brings his house down to you. That's not you going to heaven. He says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Think about that forever. He's not talking about getting to heaven. He's talking about dwelling in the house of the Lord in this here, sticky, dirty little world that we live in. Father, we just come to you. Boy, his presence just came on like, poof, when I quoted that. We come to you and we are done fearing. This illegal bandit spirit that has tried to destroy the body of Christ for thousands of years since the inception of the body of Christ. And Father, we know that COVID, one of its characteristics, one of its symptoms was fear from day one when it started. But Father, just like we chose back then that we would not walk in fear over this, we chose that we would not participate in it, that we believe the Holy Spirit, that we are faith people, but we're also a people of reason. And Father, we just thank you that we, this morning, everyone hearing this, those in the building, those online, those that will hear an archive, those that will go back to a podcast, Father, the anointing on this message will be just as fresh. That today, and I'm telling you, church, this is your, this is your, your shot now. Grab onto it. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You reject that right now. Father, I reject that spirit of fear. It will not invade my family. It will not invade my thinking. It will not invade my kids. It will not invade my church. We bind it at every step. 
And we thank you for clarity. And we thank you for sound mind. We thank you for a clear, reasoning, spiritual thinking. Not, we're not, we're not reasoned just to, no, we have a God. We have a supernatural spirit that guides us and helps us, Lord. And no, we're not like the world. No, we're not like the Gentiles. We were, we were there. And we worried about everything and we carried everything. But Jesus, you came to give us peace. You came to give us shalom. You came to give us a place where we could be a blessing to others. And today, I break the curse of fear over everybody that's listening right now. From the youngest to the oldest. Children, you listen to me. Young people, you listen to me. This goes, don't just turn it off because it's an adult thing. I bind that spirit of fear in the name of Yeshua. I bind that spirit at wherever it works. And it will not come against my family. Come on, you, you need to pray this over your family. It will not come against my house. And it will not come against me. It will not come against my grandbabies. It will not touch my house, my property. We are faith people. But with that, Father, we thank you that you give us wisdom, knowledge, revelation, insights. And Lord, the world can throw all they need to throw at us and all the negative news and all crisis after crisis after crisis. But we can make a choice to fear it or to ignore it. And we make a choice to put our eyes on the kingdom of God because that's the only kingdom we're attached to. Seek ye first. That's how Jesus finished this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things that the heathens look, all these things that the Gentiles are searching for, all these things will be added unto you. Stop looking for the stuff. The stuff will come. You find Jesus. You find peace. You resolve some of these things that you're learning. And I just thank you, Lord, this afternoon. Thank you this morning. I thank you that Laredo will be a continuance of whatever is happening here. And I just give you glory and praise. And we're eternally thankful. Come on, just worship God there for a moment. Imagine you're not, any, you're not in church. You're not listening to me. You're just somewhere with Jesus. Talk to him about that thing that's bugging you right now. Go ahead. Do it in this presence. Do it in this atmosphere. Don't, you don't have to listen to me talk right now. Just say, Lord, and ask some, ask some questions. Ask, why am I worried about it? Why, doesn't, why does this thing keep bugging me? What is attached to this thing that doesn't leave my mind? And he'll tell you. He'll show you. He'll show you the key issues. He'll show you the details. So, Lord, we give you praise and glory this morning. We leave out of this building with a whole new perspective on how, how to truly begin to enjoy this life in the way you designed it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can you give God praise this morning? Come on. Whew, that was so good. You may be seated. God bless you. That was so good. It would be interesting if someday I actually preach my notes. <laughs> just read them right it's like I get on these things. Well, I don't know I, I know I know sometimes it's me and sometimes the Holy Spirit but it's all good well it's good to see you this morning and I um, hope something you got something out of that we're, we're trying let me tell you something that that it's on my heart to do and there's nothing nothing really going to change on your end what I'm saying but I want to talk to our leadership and anybody that really cares about what Faithway is as most of you know, and, and we're not anywhere near this, so don't get, don't get worried, but you know, our church, just like every other church in America, got slammed to the point, not our church, but 40%, according to the number that I heard, seems a little steep, but 
that's the number that's out there. 40% of American churches did not reopen after COVID. That's, you say, well, how can that be? Well, you got to understand there's a lot of little churches, you know. There's thousands of little churches, you know, 10 people, 15 people, 20 people. Well, those churches, you know, were barely making it as it was, and COVID just slammed them. So, you know, where am I going with this? Again, nothing, nothing here, because one of the things I resolved, this actually helped me as a pastor, because guess what? A pastor can worry about a lot of things. <laughs> and, you know, finances is always a big one. But, you know, through this learning process, and some of you might have seen the difference if you've been watching me for the last five or seven years of my life, I really got to the point where I said, you know, Lord, if this church is going to stay open, it's, 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 it's you know, you're the one that's going to cause it. But then his response says, yes, but it's also the people going to cause it. And I was fine with that because I'm, you know, I will be here all the time. I mean, until God changes my commission, I got nothing else to do. Now, if he changes it, I love y'all, but I'm going to obey God, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Just put value, whatever value you want to this, into your life. Not Pastor Box, not nothing. Does a local church have value to you and your family? As simple as that. Because if, it, if the answer is yes, then almost everything gets resolved. Then the tithe is resolved, helping is resolved, serving is resolved, because you're building something that's a blessing. That's, I mean, once you resolve that, then you're building something that's a blessing. If you're like, well, that church, all they want is my money, then, you, then that's your resolve, and then that's the end of that. But it's up to you, because... First of all, you know, we, we did live in Heavenville. We, we, you know, we, we love this community. We lived here 10 years. I'm, I still see myself as part of it. Obviously not like you because you live here and I live down the road. But, you know, I think churches, and not just our church, any church that produces, that preaches life, that preaches something that, that will encourage people is so necessary right now. I mean, our governor was right. Churches are essential as long as churches are preaching truth. Yeah. <laughs> And that's all I'm asking you this morning. You know, give it a value because, you know, the last, the last, you know, I didn't say the last few months because of attendance, because of whatever, um, you know, we hit a, a really, really, we had, we had to navigate through it in the area of finances with the church. And, we, you know, we're navigating through it and hopefully we're getting through it. But, it, you know, it kind of is connected. People don't go to church. Well, their money doesn't go to church. Their money doesn't go to church. You don't pay the bills. Well, it could continue to the point that no bills get paid. No church is open. You know, well, what do we do then? Then we go to your house. You see, we all just go hang out at your house. Out here. That is, that's not happening. So, you know, just resolve. Is this a blessing? Yes. Is it a blessing? No. Whatever. But make sure that you do your part to keep this thing moving. That's all I'm saying, you know, because I think it's a blessing for heaven. But we need to get our fire back. That was the word the Lord gave us last week. We need to get our energy back. I remember how we finished, I mean, it wasn't just like the devil, how we finished 2019. We finished 2019 like a major bang. This church was full. We had Jerry Savelle come down. I mean, it was like, wow. And then it's COVID. <laughs> Everybody leaves, church shut down. It's like, man, I worked for, 20, you know, this, you, know you guys cut me some slack because somebody's been working for something for 27 years and you get to a place where you're like, wow, 27 years of work, we got there. And then three months later, it all falls down and everybody's in this COVID thing. Well, we're coming back. So get excited. Find your part. Keep the church open. That's all I'm asking you. Amen? If you need to give, there's envelopes next to you. If you in online giving instructions are there. And again, it's great to see you guys. If you have anybody in the Laredo area that you would like 
that need a word like this. You know, I, I always preach this, not always, but I preach the same thing, but it never comes out the same. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll go the same outline and we'll go through all kinds of different things, but that's just the Holy Spirit. But 800 East Man Road, just send them to Laredo and we'll be there at 2 o'clock. Go ahead and stand with me and I'll get you out of here. Father, we thank you this, this day for the word. We thank you. It truly, truly, at least in my life, Lord, has helped me see some things and has given me even more peace. And I pray, Father, that this word has helped people. And as they bring their offerings, as they bring their tithes to the altar, Lord, it's not about money. It never was about money. It's about life. It's about investing in something that brings us hope, that encourages us. It's something that we invest in, that our kids are being raised in, that they don't just have to be completely secularized in the system that the, that the world throws at them.